me with it. Yeah. Everything around me with it. Yeah. I know it. You go with it. Everybody around me with it. Yeah. Everything around me with it. You think being meek is weak, huh? Try being meek for a week. Ain't that right, Shaq? My name is the second matter. Give me a second. I bring you from Cain to the second Adam. For the pain, boy, I'm up and at him. For the pain, boy, I'm up and bad it. Patient for the win. Cause we win slow with these family matters. I, I'm so convinced that you won't find no gold. Amending those of them that's going in for holiness. God goes with them. Now I'm about going harder. Walk with me through these mothers and fathers. Definitely father for the father. Boy, I'm getting it started. Good evening, good evening. Welcome back to another episode of Into the Deep. We are in our fourth episode of season two. We are, it's been an amazing season. We have had amazing episodes. I just can't wait to see what God has for us tonight. We are getting ready to go ahead and dive right in to the deep. Amen. Come on now. We're diving into the deep. On last week, we had Apostle Dedrick Perry Sr. We talked on mentorship. We talked on sonship. But today, we're going to dive into leadership. Leadership. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be good. Amen. So I'm not going to be talking on it. Um, uh, as I was studying for my class, for, for my MBA, uh, I was, I'm taking this leadership course and I came across this video from Dr. Miles Monroe and the video opened a lot of things that I really thought was not true, but he, Dr. Miles Monroe showed me some things on leadership that lines up with the Bible, that lines up with what God says, and I just can't wait to share with you. So I'm not going to hold us any longer. I just want to let you know, if you know Dr. Moss Monroe, you want to get your pens, your notepads, get ready to take some amazing notes, because Dr. Miles Monroe is about to teach us leadership. Amen. So we're going to go ahead right in and jump in to our video. Thank you for joining us for another power-packed message from Dr. Miles Monroe, provided by Monroe Global Incorporated and MonroeGlobal.com. We transform followers into leaders and leaders into agents of change. We hope that this message is a blessing to you as you advance your life and discover your purpose. Now, let's go into the message. Our session today is dealing with the heart of leadership. This is in the series on the spirit of leadership. The heart of leadership. Say that with me. The heart of leadership. We're going to get to the heart of the matter today. I want to remind you that we use the Bible as our textbook, even though there are many hundreds of books that are available on the subject of leadership. I myself have a master's degree in the area of leadership and administration. I've studied the gurus and read famous authors who have contributed much to the development of leadership thought and theory and management thought and theory. But reading all of those books, and I still read them, uh, I, this past month, July, I read three books, almost made four. I try to make four books a month. But all the books I read this past month were on leadership, which I try to be consistent with my burden and my passion. You must become refined in the area of your gifts, so you should study that area. And the more I read these books, 
written by other authors, have come to the conclusion that they stole all of their ideas from the Bible. All. And they're getting credit for it. The Bible is the most important book in the world. However, the Bible was given for, for not for information. That's the difference. The other books are written to give you information. But write this down. The Bible is not for information, but for transformation. The Bible is written with a spirit behind it. And that spirit is assigned to transform the reader, not to entertain the reader. You can buy science fiction books and you can buy drama books and you can buy books of love stories and be entertained by uh, different writers uh, Stephen King and others who write on horror and all kind of drama stuff uh, dramatic stuff interesting books you may find them entertaining but they do not necessarily transform your life they entertain you but the Bible is not for entertainment the Bible is for transformation what we have is a multitude of informed believers, but very few transformed believers. And my goal in this series is to take you from information to transformation. A lot of us are filled with the word of God, but the word of God has not filled us up. We have not began to think like the word of God. Romans 8.26 says this. It says that God's intent for us is to transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. Do you see that there? He has given us everything we have to take us back to the image of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Everyone reads verse 28. They like verse 28. But this verse 26 it's very important. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings and words that cannot be uttered. And he searches our hearts. The heart of leadership, the design of God, is to deal with the heart. Look at verse 29. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. God's desire is for every human being, from the beginning, he predestined your image to be like the image of Jesus Christ. When God created the species called man, he had rulership in mind. That was all on his mind. God made it very clear from the beginning in the book of Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. When God said, let us make man, the next statement of his mouth is, and let them have dominion. Dominion means rulership, government, authority, leadership, power, stewardship, management. Author, authorization to have control. God's thought for mankind was rulership and leadership. That means trapped in every human is the spirit of leadership and the spirit of rulership. That therefore also means that leadership is not an exclusive club for those who were born with it. Every human on this planet has an instinct for leadership. You have it, I have it. But most of us do not have the courage to cultivate that instinct because our environment has beaten us down so badly that we believe only a few special important people could be leaders while we are regulated to 
following for the rest of our lives. That thought is satanic. The spirit called man was created to lead, but man lost the leadership spirit. All humans possess the potential to lead, but lost the passion for leadership. We want to do better, but we don't have the courage to try. We want to go into something that we dream after, but we don't have the boldness to step up. In other words, we have the instinct for leadership, but we've lost the passion for leadership. The goal of God is to restore man's spirit to leadership, but more importantly, to restore the leadership spirit to man. The fall of man resulted in the oppression of man's spirit by the spirit of Satan. This oppression resulted in a distortion of man's image of himself and obviously of God in whose image the man was created. The spirit of man took on, the Bible says, the spirit of slavery. And believe me, friends, the spirit of slavery is more dangerous than the chains of slavery. Because after you've been physically enslaved if you never receive the spirit of slavery then the chains cannot hold you but if you receive the spirit of slavery after they remove the chains you are still in slavery the loss of man's spirit resulted in spiritual mental and solical and eventually physical oppression galatians chapter 4 verse 1 it's a very important reference for you to note. It talks about a son thinking like a slave. And if you want to know who it's talking about, it's talking about us humans. Please turn to Galatians chapter 4 quickly. I want to read how the Bible describes every human on the planet. Tell your neighbor he's about to read about you. If you are in a hotel room, take the Gideon Bible and take it out right now. Read this with me. Right on the drawer by the lamp. Yeah, the one right there. All right. Thank God for the Gideons. Galatians chapter 4. Now, if you read the verse right before 4, which should be the last verse of chapter 3, it says, If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave even though he owns the whole estate. In this chapter, Paul is talking about the spirit of sin, how the oppression of Satan has caused us who are sons of God to think like slaves. And he says that as long as the, the son is still acting like a slave, even though he owns the whole estate, he has the slave attitude. And you will find in this next statement, he says that this therefore means he must be subjected to guardians and trustees until this time set by the father. So also when you were children, you were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. Underline that word principles right in the Bible and your notes principles. Paul says slavery comes from principles. Are you getting this? This is an awesome statement. He says, slavery is not a matter of chains and colonialism and oppression. He says, you ain't a slave until it gets in your precepts. Until your mind begins to believe it. Until you become mentally damaged to the point where slavery becomes a normal. Where you believe you're supposed to be at the bottom. Where you've accepted that this is the way things are supposed to be. I'm never going to be advancing. This is the way our people are. When you begin to think in those principles, Paul says, you have been enslaved properly. Successful slavery is when the slave accepts the principle of oppression as normal. Some of you don't believe you can take your boss's job. You don't believe that you're even supposed to have that position. But I've come to tell you that you can own the company. But you gotta have a mental brainwashing. You, you got to wash your brains. Hallelujah. Paul says slavery 
is a mental bondage. And notice, he says, by Satan. Everybody say principle. You got it written down, principle? Please write another word down, principality. See the connection? Now write another word down. Precept. Bible says, we fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. A principality is a power that rules through principles. Which means Satan's number one target is your brain. You thought it was your body. It's your brain. It's not even your brain. It's the thing that's in your brain he's after. And that is your what? Your mind. If he can trap you to believing things that are not true, then he has you because as a man thinking, so is the man. So Paul says, we've been enslaved by the principles of the world. Speaking, of course, of the world that is ordered by satanic forces. Verse 4. But when the time had fully come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive what? The full rights of sons, because you are sons, God sent the what? Capital S, Spirit, Holy Spirit, into your spirit, the spirit of who? His son, into what? Your heart. Man, listen, you got to underline this stuff. This is loaded. He says the slave spirit is in your mind, which means you can be born again and still be a slave. Mm. It's not in your spirit. It's in your mind. When you're born again, your spirit is regenerated. But your mind is still trapped. And that is where the problem lies. And that is why I will not stop ministering this word until we get it. Because you see, you can have leadership in your spirit, but not have the spirit of leadership. There's a big difference between the two. Look at this statement. Very important statement. He says, because you are sons, because you are sons, God didn't trust that to be enough. He sent the spirit of his son into you to do what? Read it. Into your hearts. What is your heart? What is your heart? We get to the heart of leadership now. What is your heart? The subconscious mind. What is your heart? The subconscious mind. What is your heart? Where does God send the spirit of Jesus? Where does the Holy Ghost really want to take up residence? What does he want to take over? Your mind. It's a tough for me to. Because I've been taught by the church that the heart is in my chest. I wonder why I didn't change as a Christian for years, because I've been trying to get God to change my chest. Are you getting this? In other words, we have a mindset that's suffocating the spirit of God. And the Lord Jesus Christ has sent the spirit capital S means the Holy Ghost into your heart why because that's where the problem is out of the heart comes the issues of life out of the heart comes murders and strife Jesus said out of what the mind he said the Holy Ghost can just get that area converted then the son will stop thinking like a slave this is the problem I recommend to you then to meditate on verse 6 for about two weeks. Because you are sons, everybody say, I'm a son. Say it again, I'm a son of God. Son of God. That God says, That ain't enough. I'm going to give you a spirit. Why? Well, listen, friends, let's be honest. You've been a Christian for many years and you're still afraid of God. There's a difference between respect and fear. Mm. I'm going to get this in a little bit.
when the Bible says fear the Lord, it doesn't mean when God shows up to run. But that's what we've been taught in religion. The word fear is the Greek word and the Hebrew word, and they both means to respect or to honor or to reverence. Now, don't you respect your daddy? Of course you respected your daddy. But you didn't run from your daddy every time you showed up. You respect your mother, you reverence your mother, but you're not afraid of your mother. Now, why am I saying this? Read the last statement in that verse, verse 6. He said, the Holy Spirit got a big job to do. You are sons, but you don't call God Father. Is that right? Look at that verse. He says, you call God all kind of stuff, like awesome consuming fire. Killer of the wicked, murderer of the unbeliever, the giant of glory that walks with his wife's water to swat the unsuspected humans who make mistakes. I mean, that's your picture of God. Do you know what made them attack Jesus? Familiarity with the Father. So my father always hear my voice. How dare you, they say. You being a mere man claiming God to be familiar, Jesus says he's your father too. Why am I saying this? Let me tell you something. If you truly, how many believe God is your father? The thing is, I don't believe you. And God doesn't believe you. I mean, think about it, okay? First of all, if God is your father, can you give me a few descriptions of who your daddy is? Come on, give me one. Just, I just want one word. Who is your dad? He's king. What else? What? He's, he's interested. Now, I want to describe his character. Who is your dad? Rich, powerful, awesome, love, miracle worker, healer, owner of the universe. He owns the sheep on a thousand hills. Come on, talk to me. Faithful, protector, more than enough. Provider, love, kind. Huh? He's what? He's joy, deliverer, faithful. How much does he own? You sure? Now, all the believe God's your father, hold your hands up, please. Okay, put it down. How much does he own? But you don't act like that. So the Bible says something got to happen to you. After you are the son of God. Look at it. It's that so. Because you are the son of God. That ain't enough. God has put a spirit in you. And the spirit is working on what? Your heart. I mean, they give you your pink slip. And tell you that you are fired. And God is your daddy. Now right there in that office. When they give you the slip. And they tell you farewell. How do you react? I mean, if God is your daddy, God owned the person and the pink slip. But what do you do? You fall apart. Oh, what am I going to do now? Lord, I got no job and I got a rent to pay. Children need food. And you get mad and cuss the people out. And you are a Christian. Claiming God is your father. Because your mind hasn't changed yet. It hasn't gotten big. It says the spirit has a big job. What is the job? One simple job. To help you say Abba. That's a familiar term in the Hebrew. Now, when you go to Israel today, and some of you remember me, you would get a little kids just around the hotels. And they call their daddy. You know what they say? It's, it's, this is a normal Hebrew word. It's, it means papa. It's, it's, a, it's an intimate term. That's why, look at it. It's written in the italics. Why? Because Paul is saying this word, we ain't used to using with God. But he said that's what God wants. If God is your father, no one can fire you. Come on, you talk to me. If God, <laughs> if my daddy owned the whole world, and someone believed they fired me. That's my daddy moved me around to something better.
His challenge is to cultivate the spirit of leadership in the human spirit. And how? Through the Holy Spirit. That's why it's written there. In Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus said, I will send the promise of my Father, which is the Holy Ghost, but stay in the city until you receive power from on high. Acts chapter 1. Uh, please turn to Acts chapter 1. We got to read this one. This one has been, in my view, very gravely misunderstood, even by me. I have been preaching some things with partial knowledge over the years. Thank God for progressive knowledge. When we read Acts chapter 1, we always think of power. And we think of the Holy Ghost power. And we think of miracles. And we think of people being healed and slain and, and all this good miraculous stuff. But do you know I've become to understand that this has been probably the least part of it. That's not what Christ was really after. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 1, it says on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Verse 4, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the promise or the gift my father promised, which you have heard of me and what I spoke about all the time. John baptized you with water. But in a few days, you know the gift I told you about? Yeah, you shall be baptized with that gift, which is the Holy Spirit. Now, underline the statement, which you have heard me speak about. Underline that. Do you know what that statement implies in the, in, in the Aramaic? This, this portion written in Aramaic. It actually is, you know, Luke was, was an expert doctor. And Luke wrote this book. And in the original manuscript, it is written this way which I can constantly kept on saying to you. In other words, we have not seen the full message of Jesus, even as Luke says, and we wrote him down, we filled all the books in the world. But apparently, he spoke more of the Holy Ghost than anything else. He said, I kept telling you about this promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. In other words, my entire message, everything that I want to do is to do with this ghost, this spirit. Why? Because everything is about this spirit. If I can get this spirit back in you, then my job would have been successful. And then when the spirit is back in you, now he got a job. You know, Jesus said in John 3, verse 3, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And then in John chapter 6, he says, for spirit gives birth to spirit, and flesh gives birth to flesh. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. They are born from the spirit. Who is he talking to? Nicodemus. Who is Nicodemus? An old man. An expert in the law. A religious man. This man knew the law. He knew, he knew the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, studied by Moses. That was a requirement for a rabbi. He also knew the Torah. He studied all the prophets and all the minor and major prophets. He knew Daniel. He knew all of these great people. He memorized the scriptures of Isaiah. To be a, a rabbi, you knew the word. Matter of fact, the Bible says he was an expert in the word of the written law of God. And yet Jesus said, you ain't saved yet. What am I getting at? You have information. But there's no transformation yet. And I'm talking to you believers. You are born again even. But you still ain't changed. And this man wasn't even born again. Christ says first. You need a spirit. In order to begin the change. Nicodemus was missing. The stuff. That makes you a leader. He missed the spirit. You are lawyers, you know that in this room there's a big difference between the law and the spirit of the law. Hello? The law is the hard written document on the paper. I mean, you could you can manipulate that stuff, but the spirit of the law, you can't touch that. And the spirit of the law is only in the person who wrote it. That's why it's tough to be a successful, complete, righteous lawyer. Because you're dealing with cases written by people who are dead and you can't consult them about what they meant. 
That's why a, a judge is called a judge. He doesn't know what it really meant, so he got to judge it. Are you with me? And I guess what I'm saying is Nicodemus knew all the words about who he was. But he could not become who God says he was to be because he needed the spirit of the one who wrote the words about him. God says, you are my son. But now for him to get you to believe that, he got to put the spirit of that in you and then convince you. And that takes a long time, especially when you've been a slave for 6,000 years. The point is, Nicodemus, Jesus said, you must be born of the spirit. For that which is spirit is spirit. In other words, you are a spirit. What I said about you is spiritual. And only the spirit can reveal what I said to your spirit. And when your spirit get it, that means your body will get it and your whole life will get it. It's not enough then to mentally assent to the word of God. You need to have the spirit of those words in your life. I want you to turn quickly to the book of John chapter 20, verse 21 and 22. It says a very interesting statement about Jesus. Jesus Christ came to earth. He lived here for three and a half years in ministry. He was 33 and a half years old when he died on the cross for our sins. For those three and a half years of ministry, you know what he did? He went about doing good, the Bible says, eating the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the leper. And then it says he gave his life as a ransom for many and he shed his blood on the cross to redeem many. And then the Bible says, in the Last Supper, he took the cup. He said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Remember my blood. Seal the covenant. Then he says, my body. This is my body, which is broken for you to, be, to heal you. And then he says, I'm doing this for you. I'm dying for the world to save the world. Why did he die? He died because we need to be forgiven. We need to be cleansed. We need to be redeemed. We need to be sanctified. Now, God did all of that for one reason. When Adam fell, Adam lost the spirit of God, which is the spirit of rulership, which is the spirit of leadership. So Jesus came to put back what Adam lost. That's all. That's why it's called restoration, to restore what was lost. So all of this great work of God was not just for you to have church services and have choirs and the same. That wasn't the deal. The deal is to get the ghost back in you. To put back what you lost. So the whole thing was about the spirit of God that you lost. Your body was contaminated by sin. Sin was in your rebellious spirit in Adam who rebelled against God's will. So we were born sinners. Christ shed the blood because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So we needed blood. So Christ provided that. And then the wages of sin is what? Death. So in order to get over death, he also got a Create the resurrection power. So he goes to the grave, comes back. So we got two things covered. One, our sins can be cleansed because of the blood. And now we can also overcome death so we can come back from the grave. But the third thing is, he went back to hell and he did some stuff that's very important. He got some keys. Sit up straight and say amen. Now the keys represent some power. Glory, hallelujah. These are keys over what? Death hell and the grave. He grabbed those keys and came back and then he says all power. This thing is about what? Power. But not it's not power to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, all that stuff. Help me Lord. Let me ask you a question. If man had never fell, would there be any healings? Miracles? Casting out demons? In other words, the Holy Ghost was never really given originally to deal with the devil. See, everybody wants power. I want power so I can have a ministry. It ain't about ministry. If we had never fallen, you wouldn't have. I wouldn't be a pastor. My job comes from your floor. Hello? When all these people making money of casting out demons and giving prophecies, they better thank God for sin. Come on. If there was no sin, you couldn't.
go around prophesying and collecting money. You, you, you couldn't go around healing people and be, being famous. This ain't about fame. It ain't about power. This thing hit me the other day. God says, God says, the Holy Ghost was never given to deal with the devil. The Holy Ghost was given to help you fulfill your dream, your vision, your purpose. That's why young men dream dreams when they get the Holy Ghost, and old men see visions when they get the Holy Ghost. Why? In other words, young men dream dreams. Right, right. Okay, you got it. In other words, the Holy Ghost is for your dream. Do you understand? The power is for you to fulfill your dream, to fulfill God's assignment. Now, when the devil gets in the way, you use the power on him, and then we call that ministry. That ain't ministry, that's just moving the guy on the way. Hello, somebody. And when you go to set people free from the devil, you use what? The power of the Holy Ghost. But that is not the purpose for the Holy Ghost. Because if man had never fallen, he would still be filled with the Holy Ghost. So why have it in the first place? Because of the assignment of dominion. What is dominion? Leadership. The purpose for the Holy Spirit is to fulfill your leadership responsibility. I hope you're getting this. That means, that means see, let me tell you why it's important. Because a lot of you think, if I'm not in the five-fold ministry, then I'm not doing something important. If I'm not a prophet or an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher, then I cannot serve the Lord. That is a lie from the devil. Matter of fact, those five jobs are products of sin. Their job is to help you discover your, your purpose in God. According to the word of God, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher was given to train the saints to discover and work their own ministry, which is what their giftings that God gave them and the power of God was given to them to fulfill that assignment. So the anointing of God in your life is not for you to just go out and look for people who, who get healed or something. As a matter of fact, uh, you, Jesus healed people so they could go do what they're supposed to be doing. They're making sense. The blind man at the gate begging for money. Jesus says, look, this man can work. The only thing is, there's a blindness in the way. So the miracle became necessary because the purpose was being hindered. That's why it's so exciting to have the Holy Ghost because if God told you to start a business, and there's resistance and opposition and problems, the Holy Ghost kicks in. God, I mean, he started moving people, changing hearts. He started getting into people's faces. He started working miracles. Not for you to walk around saying you're a miracle worker, but so you can get the job done. Hello, somebody. That is why the power was given. Let's read this. It's very important to understand that, that the prayer for the Holy Ghost. You see, it says in Acts chapter 1, sorry, John. Yeah, John. 20, verse 21. It says, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he what? Breathe on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This was after everything was over. He said, I've been waiting for this all my life on earth. He said, this is the moment. Everything was for this. <laughs> receive. Everybody say, receive. receive. Say it again, receive. Receive. Write the word down, receive in capital letters, please, very slowly. R-E hyphen C-E-I-V-E. Got it? Now the word receive is a grammatical construct. It's a word with a prefix. The word is sieve. Re is the prefix. Seed means to have. It's an old, old Germanic word. Re means to return to the original. Prefix. So when you say seed, it means you're giving something for the first time. But when you say receive, you are putting something back that used to be there. So when Christ said to them, 
real seed. He was saying, you used to have the spirit. Now I can officially restore the spirit which will help you regain your leadership mentality so you can cry out. so far from the Lord since the, the, the sins of Adam that when we receive something we always had before, we have a thrill. <laughs> God said, what's going on? This is, this is always in you. I just put it back. <laughs> you put it back, a new battery back in you. You, know, you take the battery out, you charge it, put it back, the car goes, Whoa! Because been so long without him. We think it's new. And he has to retrain us all over again. We have to learn how to be like our father again. You know, billions of dollars are spent every single year in institutions all over the world. And they are training thousands of would-be leaders in management techniques and organizational skills. They are learning how to manipulate humans professionally with theories and methods of control and, and all kinds of persuasive uh, mechanisms to use to control people. That's what the universities are teaching our, our leaders. And they are spending billions of dollars on this. And yet the quality and the standard of leaders are decreasing. Which means something's missing. The question is why do we have so much money being spent on leadership and we got the poorest quality of leaders in this world? Because something is wrong. Well, you could answer it this way. The question is, why are Christians going to church for years and ain't changing? It's the same problem. Because they're getting the information, but they're not experiencing the transformation. Why? Because there is a little thing missing. Leadership is not a technique, a method, or style of acquisition of skills. But leadership is the manifestation of a spirit. Make a note of that. A leader doesn't try to be a leader. You can always tell when a person has finally connected. They, they don't fake anything. They don't try to lead. A leader doesn't have to put on a power tie. She doesn't have to wear a nice suit with a brief to look leadership. When a person is a leader, it happens on the inside. Something connects and they got a revelation about themselves. And all of a sudden, it doesn't matter where they live, what they got or don't have. Suddenly the attitude kicks into a spirit that you can't understand. And all of a sudden, they began to see poverty as opportunity. Difficult, difficulty as challenge rather than danger. All of a sudden, the attitude changed. Same person, same environment, but everything looks different when the spirit gets you. I'm talking about myself too. I'm hey. People call things problems. I have no problems in life. None. I used to have problems until I connected with who I am. When the Holy Ghost showed me who I am and what God made me to become, I became a dangerous man. I mean, you, you, you take away my house, car, clothing, you know, take away everything, no problem. Get it all back, you know, and get it all back. Why? Because it ain't about them things. It's about what's happening on the inside of me. It's not what happens to you that matters. It's what you do about what happens to you that matters. Leadership is the manifestation of a spirit. The Bible says, as a man think it, so we see, man is a spirit being, and the nature of his spirit dictates the nature of the manifested man. Until man's spirit is changed, the man is unchanged. 
That's why leadership begins in the spirit of the man. If the spirit doesn't get it, then the man will never get it. Please turn to 1 Samuel chapter 10. I want to reread the scripture. Reread. Have you ever studied the word read while you're finding that by Samuel? Chapter 10. Anyone ever saw the word read written down carefully? <laughs> Come on, you gotta be careful what you read. Even when you read, read. Read is a deep word. When you read, you what? You re-add. That's where the word is spelled right. Re, prefix, add. When you read, you re-add to your knowledge. That's why reading is so important to life. The more you read, the bigger you become. You keep adding to yourself. And the more you read, the bigger you become. And a man or woman who reads will always become bigger. Write this down. He who does not read is no better than he who cannot read. Get it? He who does not read is no better than he who cannot read. So I'm not impressed with the fact that you can read if you're not reading. Write this down. A leader is a reader. They are one. If you're going to lead, you got to read. If you're going to be a leader, you got to become a reader. Shut that TV off. Read. Run away from your friends. Go hide in the beach and read. Get away from the telephone. Put it on the, on the wall and read. Young people, believe me, read and you become a lead. And you older people, some of you think you do old to read. That's why you do old to lead. A leader is a reader. The more you know, the more God will trust you with. That comes from. I was talking to some people here. First Samuel chapter 10. Look at this verse. Verse 6. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power. And afterwards you will prophesy. And you will be changed into a different person. Glory, hallelujah. Once these things are fulfilled, that means once the spirit comes on you and you change into another person, then do whatever your hands find to do. Why? The Lord is with you. Man, that's a powerful scripture. You should put that out and put it on your bureau. Bible says the Holy Spirit comes on you not to tickle you and to tingle you. His goal is to make you what? A completely different person. Now when you become the different person, then you'll get visions, prophecies. Then it says whatever comes to you, when the Spirit changes you, do it. Why? God's with you. And I say every stuff. The Holy Ghost is supposed to give you some big ideas when you change your thinking. When you go through the transformation, you're going to go through some visions and dreams, and God will say, try it, I'm with you. <laughs> oh Lord, please be with me. I'm with you. It's me who's giving you the idea. Whatever your hands find. Whatever you're thinking, do it. I'm with you. Why? Because my Holy Ghost has come over you and has overshadowed you and has changed you into a different person. Now, you can always tell when you ain't changed. How? If you still don't believe what he's telling you. You're getting that He says when the Holy Ghost changes you, then suddenly you're going to see some things to do. He says, do it. 
which means that if you see what to do, but you keep saying it can't be done, you ain't changed yet. Holy Ghost hasn't got your mind straight yet. Because God will never tell you something that you cannot do. what my passion is this year and next year. My passion is to see every member and follower in this ministry take on the spirit of leadership in the mind. And, and you can tell when it ain't there. When people are still not doing a job because it's someone else's job, they haven't gotten the spirit of leadership yet. When a piece of paper is on the ground in the lobby and you go and ask for the janitor, you ain't got the spirit of it. It ain't there yet. You ain't got the spirit of it. When you see something dirty on the wall and you don't want to paint it, you ain't got the spirit of leadership yet. Understand me? When something could be done better but you're satisfied, you ain't got it yet. Oh. And that, that has to enter... Everybody. When you quit right in the middle of a project, you ain't got the spirit of leadership yet. You know, on my laptop, uh, I have my screensaver. And on my screensaver, my computer, a statement I wrote there. Leaders finish. And that may sound important to you, but it is to me. A leader finishes things. They, they don't just start and quit in the middle. A leader completes assignments. That's leadership spirit. They don't stop until they are finished. They tired, but they still going. But it ain't there yet. People get you mad, you're still going. They don't treat you right, you're still going. Because you ain't doing this for nobody. You're doing this for an integrity that you make commitment to yourself and to God. It's bigger than environment. That's leadership. Leaders never have excuses. Write that down. You know, I ain't never going to believe you a leader until you ain't got no excuses. That's the biggest example of a leader. A leader will never tell you, I'm sorry. Why? Because they ain't got an excuse. People find a million reasons why they ain't do something. You ain't no leader yet. Leaders do not find excuses. They may have a reason, but not an excuse. Study Jesus, man. What a, what a guy. He never had to say he was slow or sorry. Matter of fact, his big words were, it is finished. His attitude was, I listen, I came to do the works of my father. my father. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. The heart of leadership. Amen. That was Dr. Miles Monroe. Um, he, uh, I stopped the video before it ended just to give a little points and then we're going the thing, the thing that he taught the thing that he talked about was that leadership, we are created to be leaders. But because of our fall, because of sin, we have lost the sight. We have lost the confidence. We have lost the ability to be leaders. Tonight, God wants you to know that he wants to give you the Holy Spirit. We have to receive the Holy Spirit. We have to receive the Holy Spirit because in the Holy Spirit, there's power to be and do what God has called and created us to do. Here in our new season, we talked about that we're gonna be winning in this new season. But the way we win is with the spirit. So tonight, God wants you to know that through his spirit, we win. But in order for us to have his spirit, we have to receive him. Another thing that, that, point, that he pointed out was that 
we can be we can be born again but still slaves to sin we can be born again but still slaves to sin i that that really struck with me because I, I always thought that once we get born again, that we're not slaves to sin anymore. The, the thing about slavery is not about the chains. It's not about what's holding you. It's about the principle of it all. When, when you think you're still trapped, when you think you're still stuck, when you think about it, when you think that you're still not worthy enough, when you think you're still not able to do what God called you to do, that's when you're still stuck in slavery. That's when you're still stuck in sin. But when you are born again, you receive the Holy Spirit, you will, you start to be transformed. And when you start to be transformed, their chains are being released off your mind. The song is, I heard a song that's some chain breakers in the room. And it, it, it's catchy, it's nice, it's exciting to, to know that I'm a chain, a chain breaker. A, I, I'm breaking generational curses. But it, it starts in the mind. If we don't believe it, if we don't believe that we can, if we don't believe that we will, it will never happen. When I was a kid, um, our our team ministry we read a book called Battlefield of the Mind. The mind is an amazing thing. The mind does amazing things. It, it the way the mind works is amazing, and many people can't comprehend it. Just the mind itself. But the mind is so great that when you go and talk about it medically, there are like three different doctors that specialize with the mind. You have one that specializes with the nerves, one that specializes with the tendons. These doctors, they go through their special a little bit longer than other doctors because the mind is so great, so vast. And the thing is that Dr. Malcolm Rose said is that in order for us to really do what God called us to do, and He called us in this season. To win, we have to be transformed in our mind. We can't just say we're winners. We can't just say in this season we're going to win. We have to think that we're going to win. We have to know that we're going to win. We have to know that we're sons of God. And I posted on the screen that the heart equals the subconscious mind so so when you're reading the bible when you're reading the bible right and you and you come across the word heart think about think about it as the subconscious mind that that god came to give us a new mind in him that that he comes in to transform us through our mind he comes to clean our mind. You see, our mind holds our thoughts. He comes in to clean our mind. Restore us back to our factory setting. Restore us back to who we initially was. So, now, now, this may seem really difficult and may not seem like this that has nothing to do with leadership, but it, it has everything to do with leadership because leadership isn't just the person at the top. Leadership isn't just someone making commands. Leadership is someone with vision. 
leader a leader is someone who knows who they are a leader is someone who's not afraid to do what he is asked to do i said a leader is someone who is not afraid to do what he is asked to do i, I lost some people because when we think that leaders only give commands leaders only tells other people what to do but a leader has to first be a follower a leader has to follow first a leader has to be able to follow in order to lead so we're going to talk more about leadership on our next episode. I can't wait to really dive deeper into leadership. This is just the stepping stone of leadership right here. It just opened up to what leadership is. So if you want to know more about leadership, if you are a leader and you learned something tonight, please share, like, comment, and share your thoughts on leaders. Amen. So I just want to thank you for watching with us. Just letting you know we're not stopping. We're going to continue doing what God asked us to do. We're going to dive into leadership. We're diving into the deep. So tune in with us next week for more. Amen. Father God, we just thank you, Father God, for this episode. Father God, we thank you, Father God, for each and every individual watching tonight. We thank you, Father God, for just starting with us and telling us, that we are created to be leaders, Father God. That we have the in our very own DNA the ability to lead, Father God. Father God, we just thank you, Father God, for giving us the opportunity to know that we are leaders, Father God. Giving us the opportunity to know that we can lead, Father God. Father God, we just ask, Father God, that you give us the opportunity to receive your spirit. Father God, the, the spirit that transforms, the, the spirit that gives us the power to transform, Father God, into who you have called us to be. Father God, we thank you, Father God, and we just ask, Father God, to be with us, Father God, henceforth and for forevermore. We give you all the power, we give you all the glory and the honor. In your son Jesus' name, amen. We thank you for tuning in, and we just say, God, be the glory, and welcome into the deep.